Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Arbomanity. I'm so happy to have Elise Fosnight with me today. She is a sex health expert. She has been a physician assistant for the last 10 years and a sexual health counselor and educator for more than six years. She runs her own private practice in Asheville, North Carolina, and she's a provider of comprehensive sexual and reproductive health, basic urologic care, and gynecological care for Western North Carolina and the Southeast. I know Elise from Ishwish. She is one of our fearless leaders, and she's a wealth of expertise, and I'm so happy to have her here today. So welcome, Elise. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. So our topic today that's come up in conversation with a lot of people with patients and even informally is sex and intimacy after marriage or after commitment, because not everybody gets married. Right. Um, <laughs> so is this something that you see often come up as a problem for couples or for people in general? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's this like unspoken like agreement that something like magical is going to happen and that you don't have to work with anything and you get married and there's like this big like or again kind of commitment ceremony that you have um, with your partner and that everything's just going to be great and you don't have to think about anything anymore and that actually isn't the case. We still have to work on it. You know, this is something that my husband and I talk about actually quite often is it's still work. You still have to put in the effort to it. It's not going to come organically. Like I think a lot of people are, are thinking. So, you know, when I have folks that are coming to me, a lot of times they think that something is, is wrong. Right. And it's not, nothing's wrong. This is, these are normal fluctuations and variations that occur within all relationships. So it isn't anything that, you know, you could have avoided um, per se. Uh, I'm very big on prep and making sure that you're prepared, right? We want to be proactive versus reactionary when it comes to those sorts of things. But sometimes you you can't always see it happening. Life happens, right? Um, Typically when folks are getting married um, or again, committing themselves to each other, that it is, you just go right into it and people throw themselves into work or they forget to schedule those date nights or they forget to make time for each other or even for themselves. I will say um, there is this, again, kind of question of like, should I still be masturbating? You know, if I've got a partner. And so being able to help navigate through those conversations and have healthy conversations around what do you want? What do you want to look like? And that all leads back to the communication um, piece awesome. of it. Oh, I know communication and we could all do so much better with communication in all of the various relationships that we have in our life. Yeah. Do you find like a certain amount of time where this stops to, starts to happen for people? Like, is this in the first year or in the, in 10 years or what do you, what do you see with the people who come to see you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think there is kind of a pattern um, that definitely happens, you know, six months to nine months in the kind of honeymoon phase, right? So it starts to end. And usually anywhere between 12 to 18 months is where we see kind of this lull. Um, We see a little bit more of this kind of like lackluster relationship. Um, The spark is a little bit kind of dim at that point. It's still there. It's not gone out. You know, it still has capacity to, to flourish. But again, it's the, it's the working on that, that fire piece of it. I tell people, it's like when you have your bonfires, right? You, you get it started and you got this awesome fire going and it's great, but you have to um, be able to put more wood onto that fire, right? It's not just going to continually. So you've got to continue to work at keeping that fire awesome and amazing. 
Okay. And what are some things that lead to it? I think, I feel like you and I have talked about this briefly before, like even with people who are just living with one another, you know, all of a sudden they're peeing in front of each other, (laughs) in front of each other. And some of that like sexiness and some of the mysteriousness is gone. Um, Is that the problem? Or like, what, like, what are things that, that people should, should know about or be aware about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very down for some good boundaries, right? I think um, boundary setting is really important in, in all aspects. Um, But definitely um, when it comes to those, those typical bodily functions, you know, Mm -hmm. that are happening, right? We all pee and poop and pass gas (laughs) and belch and whatever else. But I do think, that um, uh, having your partner see some of the the humanistic, it can be good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still think leaving a little bit of mystery. Um, you know, we, <laughs> it's good we for everyone. It, a little mystery is good for everybody, right? You know, you can you can close the door, but you can still hear them peeing, right? Like, but you don't have to walk by and see them, like, you know, crouch down and whatever else. Yeah. Um, um, but some people, again, I think it's preference too. So, you know, it, those are the, the, the things that I start to bring up in a conversation of, you know, what, what does your daily routine look like? So we start kind of like laying it out and then we start to look into where does this kind of unfold or where do I start to, to pay attention to some body language when I'm having that conversation with my patient to be like, Hmm, did you know that your body kind of like did this move? Or I could see like a little bit of apprehension or anxiety start to build up when you started to bring this area up. Let's dig into that a little bit, mm-hmm. bit deeper. So for some folks, they feel maybe that it brings them a little bit closer of having kind of more of that like humanistic, like we, everybody does the, the thing. But I do think that there, you can add still some secrecy, some elements. So for example, I, um, for one of my, um, uh, my patients, she's, you know, said, I, um, it didn't feel like as sexy anymore, or, you know, I just like, wasn't feeling like he was looking at me. And I, so I talked about, well, how does getting dressed and undressed during the day, like look for you? And she was like, oh yeah, well we just, yeah, I just get undressed right in front of them and we're just having conversations. And I said, so now it's become like normal for your body just to be out like this. And so that's not as secret. So why don't you turn your back to them uh-huh. or go into another room and get undressed? And like, again, a little bit of that element of mystery can actually linger and be like, oh, what what is, what is she doing over there now? Like what's happening? Yeah. So, you know, those are just those little things that you can do to create some more, um, even fantasy, right. Of the element of surprise and going, gosh, what, what bra are they wearing rather than like, Oh, I already know which bra they're wearing today. And I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, you know, one of my favorite um, authors is Esther Perel and, Mm. you know, her book mating in captivity. She says something about, you know, the routine is enemy to eroticism, something like that, something similar. And that makes sense that when you get into a routine, there's not that much that's sexy about it. Very much so. And then what happens is that routine goes from every day to every week to now every month. And you've forgotten to plan or to change things up. We we love, right? Habits are, I think, uh, and consistency is what's really important um, and very foundational. But when it comes to, yeah, the relationship piece of it, we have yeah. to know that there can be some excitement. But it's also scary, right? You know, these are the conversations I do have, too, with, with patients of, you know, 
yes, I want to lean into the the fantasy or changing things up, but it's a new world. It's a new landscape to navigate. And I don't have a compass to know which way to go. So I think sometimes fear limits us from being able to jump into that. And you've shared so much with your partner. It's go, It's like, I should feel safe to do this, but we have to remember, again, we are all human beings. We all have our vulnerabilities and being able to open up. So again, having, I think, communication and talking about that with your partner, right? It's great to have that conversation with your therapist or with your medical provider, but being able to open up to the person that really does matter is, again, to your partner and even to ourselves is like, where is this coming from? And I think that's going to pull you all closer together too when you say, I have some fears around this. Mm. And when your partner is aware of that, that partner can jump in and go, I totally understand. Here's how I can support you. So, you know, so you all can then jump in and, and take that leap together with this new landscape without feeling like you're doing this by yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point. The most important person to talk to is actually your <laughs> partner. <laughs> I know it. Yeah, and it seems like I said so simple. But what happens? You're you're in it, right? I think when you're in it, you don't see it, right? Yeah. And I think that that's you know the part of it. And so, really encourage a lot of folks to be able to ask for help or guidance, right? You don't come with a manual to turn to page sixty four to be like, okay, what do I do when this goes goes on, right? So being able to ask for that assistance, I think, is really, really key and shows growth in who you are as a human being and and the growth that you want to continue as a relationship. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of putting work into it or adding uh, wood to the fire. And what are do you have some specific tips or things that you tell people they can do to for that work? Like, what does that work look like? Oh, goodness. Intentionality, right? You have to be intentional with everything that you're doing. So it's the hug that you give your partner um, when you come home. It's the hand holding when you're sitting on the couch. It's not sitting separate from one another. It's stopping in the middle of the day to get grab a kiss, right? It's just those little things that you're not thinking about. And then scheduling, right? Scheduling is going to be so important when it comes to intimacy. I get pushed back a lot on this one. Of okay, the like, yes. Have time for I don't have time to plan. Or then we lost the spontaneity and I go, oh, okay. But what happened when you all were dating, right? You all planned the date, right? And that was foreplay. You got excited. What am I going to wear? What perfume? How am I going to wear my hair? Where are we going to go? What am I going to eat? You know, is there going to be sex involved in it? You know, is there going to be kissing? Yeah, there's a build up. Yeah. So, you know, and so then it's kind of this like, you know, again, the normalcy, the routine that like you're doing your the day in, day out kind of stuff, and you're forgetting to do that. Or you have your your friends or your work family that you're going and doing something and you actually are not scheduling things together um, that you would normally want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Having time set apart for one another or and planning things and planning things as surprises as, you know, one person plans one time or another person plans the other time so that you're not just kind of, I don't know, um, going, going into another routine of even your date night. (laughs) Right. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? What do you want to go to eat? What do you, oh my goodness. Yes. I um, really encourage a lot of my patients to make a pleasure jar and what they, yeah. So everybody gets like 10 pieces of paper. Um, and that way it isn't weighted out and like, oh, you threw 20 in and I only threw 10 or whatever. Right. So you get the eat. Listen, we're going to try to keep it as even as possible. Yeah. So on each one of those pieces of paper, you can write what you want to do. Like I want to, you know, go for a long ride, you know, and drive up. I live in 
the mountains of Western North Carolina, right? You go up into the parkway and you go like necking, right? You go have a makeout session on one of the pull like What's that? <laughs> oh, listen, yes, necking. I haven't heard that word for a long time. Wow, gosh, it doesn't like. Well, and it's so funny because I'm a millennial, but I, I have older parent, like an older mama, and so like I feel like yeah. I, I get thrown into that a lot. So that's not typically the words, right? No, I love um, but yeah, writing down those activities. I want to go for a picnic. Can we go for a bike ride? Can we go just different? Can we stay home and just have naked time? Like, you know, putting that in there and that way, again, nobody has to think about it. And you all together can designate, okay, every third Friday, we're going to take three, a three hour chunk of time. And we're going to put this in there, put it on your calendar. Yeah. Don't assume that it's going to happen. You put everything else on your calendar, right? right. It's so easy for things to take space over that or yes. take, you know, run into that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as a society, we put a lot of weight into um, into a relationship, into sex and sexuality, but it's very interesting how that does not translate into reality. And so when, yeah, when you're talking about um, being married and really developing that commitment relationship, it, for some reason, like I said, it just doesn't translate. Everything else takes precedence above that. So I really, again, challenge people to to weigh it heavier and put it almost at the top of the list rather than at the bottom of the list. Right. If it's something you value. Yeah. Spend time doing it. Or, yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes. Yes. When, when do you feel like somebody should seek help from a professional like yourself, like a sexual counselor or a therapist? Yeah, absolutely. So I will say it's never too early to actually you know, seek a little bit of assistance, right? We talk about this, like being proactive, being preventionary on the t- those types of things. Um, but if you have noticed that there is some like resistance between yourself or resistance between you and your partner about getting these things scheduled, and you've attempted to do these on your own, don't let it continue to fester, right? It's just going to continue to build and then it's going to explode. And that's where conflict and arguments happen. Happen. Um, and it's really difficult to then try to mediate those things with yourself. Again, I think that there's a lot of stigma and shame around mental health in, in our community, um, uh, even after COVID. I think that we really you know, have seen a lot of um, acceptance in the mental health community. But there, again, I, there's, I still see a lot of stigma and a little bit of pushback of going, well, I don't need somebody to help me on that side of things. But you really do. You know, when we talk about the biopsychosocial aspects of a relationship even, you know, it's really important to think about the mental aspect of it. And sometimes again, having somebody from the outside looking in to help, to help guide you. Again, you don't come with books. You don't come again with the the life game board, right? That you spin and you only go six steps forward. Whatever. So you don't come with those sorts of things. So having somebody to help you navigate. And again, it doesn't mean that it makes you a bad couple or a bad person. It just means that you just need some extra tools in your toolbox to help navigate you in this next phase of life and in the next phase of your relationship. Yeah. No, that's really wonderful. I I have seen intimacy break up relationships and people think that, you know, um, things are getting old or stale and then they end up finding somebody new or more exciting and then mm-hmm. things become old and stale. And, you know, that's just kind of the nature of of our life, I think. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not putting in that work, it makes sense that 
It's what yeah. you're going to get again and again. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think, trying new things together also can be really helpful to, to again, create some of that um, pieces of it. And then if you're leaning into more of the sexual side of things, you know, what's on your menu? You know, because what was on your menu 20 years ago may not be on your menu now. So I think re-appreciating um, or re-exploring that menu and together, you know, a yes, no, maybe list can be really fun for a lot of people to do um, and really takes you into the different types of sexual activities, fantasies, desires, wishes, you know, really kind of push that box um, and again, open up and again, communicate, right? I think scheduling some time to communicate. Um, and Gottman has some amazing cards, right? Conversation cards too. So if you're struggling like with coming up with a topic for conversation, bring out those cards. They're a really great way to actually start some good conversations about what do you want? What are your desires? What are your, yeah, Gottman conversation cards and that'll pop right up. Nice. Oh, well, this is all really helpful, really practical information for everyone listening. And I would just you know, kind of finish it with saying, communicate, schedule, (laughs) try new things with your partner and be proactive. And if you, you know, want to seek someone out professionally, there are lots of wonderful people like Elise out there. Uh, You are ASACT certified. So I know ASACT has a website and you can find providers that way too. And you can find providers through Ishwish as well, but not everybody is a a sex counselor or therapist. I think probably ASACT makes more sense, right? If someone for someone where they live. Yeah, absolutely. There's a great way to find, you know, locate a provider on all of those um, websites. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been super helpful and I really appreciate your time. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me and I wish everybody a long, happy relationship, um, no matter what it looks like.